afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome aboard the SS Dub Talk. I'm Gigi, your cruise director, and I'm here to tell you some very important safety announcements. Firstly, the podcast you are about to hear contains strong language and adult themes, so listener discretion is advised. If you hear screaming, be sure to cover your ears. That's the sound of all the fun you're having. Next, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Black Butler franchise, including Book of the Atlantic, so please be careful if there's something you have yet to watch. When you spy the person with the chainsaw, don't fret. This ship is undergoing some minor construction on this voyage. And finally, the opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual members and do not represent Dub Talk as a whole. That's right. You too can reenact the King of the World scene from Titanic without any judgment. Why? Because you're on vacation. So relax, pull up a deck chair, grab a margarita, and enjoy your cruise. And don't mind that smartly dressed man on the Lido deck. (laughs) He's simply one hell of a butler. Good evening, gentle listener, and welcome to another episode of Dub Talk, the podcast where a group of Reapers get together to discuss the latest in English anime dubs. Tonight, you're in for a treat as it's time for one of our special episodes, Dub Talk Presents Summer at the Movies Season 2. I'm here with my butler, Jamal, for this tale of the sea, the occult, and uh, one hell of a butler. Yes, it's time for Dub Talk's first foray into the Black Butler franchise with the movie Book of the Atlantic. Jamal, my Good my evening. lovely butler. Good evening, madam. I have I have no request right now. Is that is that bad? Should I think of something really outrageous? Whatever your heart desires, madam. I like I like you. You're you're a good you're a good butler. What a good butler. <laughs> but, but of course. Do you know who's an even better butler though? Who? The Black Butler. The Black Butler franchise is one both beloved and loathed in manga and anime that started in 2006 and is currently ongoing. The first season of the anime aired in 2008 and well, it was loved because of the characters. And it was loathed because a huge portion of it was filler and didn't follow the manga. Black Butler had a second season, a third season called Book of Circus, an OVA series called Book of Murder. And in 2017, A1 Pictures released the movie Book of the Atlantic, which, yes, is canon. I checked. (laughs) You do not need to see the rest of the anime in order to watch this movie, but you will benefit greatly from at least watching the first half of season one and Book of Circus, one of one of which I did in order to prepare for this episode. (laughs) Funimation actually brought the movie to theaters in the States in 2017, and it was just released on Blu-ray and DVD by them in June of this year with the English dub we're going to talk about tonight. So how familiar are you with with Black Butler, my dear Butler? Oh, madam, I caught up on part of the first season of Black Butler. And just recently I finished uh, Book of Circus, the Book of Murder OVAs, and about a couple hours ago, the uh, film itself. So I'm very quite familiar with this franchise. I mean, tonight 
there's no way you could have a discussion about Black Butler without a Black Butler. <laughs> How did I know that was coming? <laughs> oh, I just know you do, madam. Oh, no. Oh, God. Okay, well, that that was the joke. That was the joke, friends. I hope you enjoyed it greatly because, oh, my God. Fuck. Okay. Well, you're ahead of my game, sweetie, because I really tried to watch all of this before we did this. And I think it may be better suited to another episode to talk about the entire Black Butler franchise because there's so much of it. I love it a whole bunch. Um, but tonight we're only going to talk about the movie. So, as I like to call it, Butler's on a Boat. Um, here is an here is a description that I took from the Funimation website. Normally I would fuck it up and do my own thing, but you know, today is not that day. CL Phantom Hive and his demonic butler Sebastian are back, but their next case has them treading some rough waters. Aboard the luxury liner Campania, the two investigate an illegal human experiment that involves resurrecting the dead. But the closer they get to the truth, closer they are to their own deaths. Will this be their final case, or will one hell of a butler keep them afloat? How many boat jokes can we make this episode? Pardon me, madam, but this sounds like a cross between a zombie movie and Titanic. Oh my god. It is completely a cross between a zombie movie and Titanic, with the jokes to boot. And it's got British accents for most characters through the whole thing. So why do do I always end up on the shows that have accents? Oh, wait, because I do it to myself. (sighs) I really should have had my butler preview this for me before. We got into it. Just so you guys know, obviously there won't be any predictions for this episode because it is summer at the movies and uh, this franchise started to be dubbed in English almost 10 years ago. Um, So we really don't need to make predictions. And honestly, I think there's no, you know what? There aren't any new characters in this. They're all returning from previous series, which I didn't know until I looked it up because I skipped Book of Circus and Book of Murder. Um, But they're all from other they're all from other shows. So really, they're all everybody's coming back because the director has that power who we'll talk about shortly. And just so you guys know, we will probably be spoiling parts of the other series in this review. I think some of that's inevitable. Tis but I'll, of course. But I'll freak out because I don't know anything about Book of Circus, except there's one Hisoka-looking motherfucker in there who clearly will probably be my best boy once I watch it. So, are you ready to begin... I am always ready for you, madam. All right. So my first request tonight is to talk about the script writer for Book of the Atlantic and the director. The script writer is Miss Bonnie Clinkenbeard, who has also written the rest of the Black Butler franchise, along with Yuri on Ice, Soul Eater, and Noragami. And the director, which for some reason I didn't know... Plug your ears, kids. Plug your ears, my dear butler. You won't want to hear the screeching on this one. Oh, bollocks. (laughs) 
because the director is my number one hispondo, Ian Sinclair. Huh, how did I not know this? Like, for some reason, I thought he only directed the live action Black Butler dub. Oh, goodness, no. Uh, yeah, I am dumb. So uh, Ian Sinclair, along with directing the entirety of the Black Butler franchise, has also directed the most of the Initial D franchise and Dance in the Vampire Bund. Why? Well, that aside, my dear Butler, please enlighten me on what you thought of the writing and directing skills of these fine, fine individuals. Well, having been uh, familiarizing myself with the commentaries, I find that Ian Sinclair is most suited as an ADR director. I, I did like his dictation on how he handled his characters very well. It's just a shame I haven't seen him direct anything else recently because he's very bold as a director. But, you know, we must respect the man's wishes. He probably had his reasons for not continuing. Uh, him and Bonnie combined seem to be a tour de force in this franchise. Bonnie, Bonnie seems to be very so with her script. She's very faithful to the original. I do say so myself. There isn't really anything that seems out of place. As like, I I I really I'm hardly can put it into words. It's just it is so divided like a. Sh Yes. <laughs> now, if you excuse me, madam, I have to get dinner ready. Would you like to take it from here? Okay, while you prepare our lovely dinner for this evening, I will talk about Bonnie Klingenbeard first. Um, it seems like during the course of the Black Butler franchise, at least what I've seen, and from the other things that she has written, again, just like you said, she's very, very faithful to the Japanese translation of her series that she works on. And um, for Black Butler, I really don't think that this is a bad thing. Normally, I'm all for jokes and changing things around. But just with the material of this, it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around. Like, it's very hard to comprehend, especially if you haven't seen the other parts of the series. And you're like, what the heck is going on in this movie? Who are these characters? But I think she did a really great job of just getting everybody together in a way that will make the old fans happy, as well as not keeping the new fans completely lost in the dark and there were some really nice moments in this movie where she was allowed to do that because there were a lot of flashbacks like towards the end there was about like a 15 minute flashback to parts of the first season which I can't remember if we actually saw in the first season or not but it felt like it went right along with it so I thought especially the writing in those backstory flashback scenes was really on point to help people understand this movie and this franchise a little more um i also thought it was less comedic than the black butler that i had watched to prep for this which was basically the first disc <laughs> the first dvd of it was about all i got through i know the first episode is filler and is supposed to be really funny um but i really i thought that this movie had a darker tone and it was really brought out through the writing um, as for the directing, 
I mean, it's Ian Sinclair, man. He's one hell of a director. And I'm also sad that he doesn't direct more projects, but he must have his reasons. Plus, that dude is in the booth, like, all the time, voicing people with his <sighs> wonderful, wonderful voice. And he did actually reprise his role um, in the very beginning of this movie. There are little cameos from the three servants that CL has besides Sebastian. Four, actually. Sorry, I forgot. Tanaka. Um, so they're in it for about like a minute and a half. Um, and he does a really cute British accent. But to, we're talking about directing. And I think that this is a different tone than what I've seen in the first series. I've heard the ones that are actually more canon to the manga, like Book of Circus and Book of Murder, are definitely darker in tone, um, but I could immediately tell the difference directing-wise just in the way that the people spoke and the way that they were directed to play these scenes, um, that this movie was going to have a darker tone to it. Now, the jokes that they did have were pretty Almost funny. Flat. So it's always good. Yes, it's always good if you can throw a joke in there, my lovely husbando, and make it work. But uh, I just, I, I thought... All of the dub acting in this was really good and it was really brought to life by the writing and directing here. And usually that's not, you know, me. Like, I, this is kind of like out of the box for me because I don't care for scripts that don't really take the material and change it around a lot. But this one, I like. Mama likes. Mama likes. Yes, one wrong misstep in this direction would have been most shameful. But Body is, like I said, she is divine. She handles this very well to the best of her abilities. <sighs> well, thankfully, we have a good crew on this ship. I was about to sing We Built This City of Rock and Roll, and then I realized that's by Starship. So I'm not going to do that. Instead, let's start talking about these characters and uh, let's start with some of the more controversial ones. We're going to start with Viscount Druitt, who returns definitely from season one because I watched this episode. Rian Stoker, who I believe this might be the original character. It is. Okay. And uh, Snake, the butler who I didn't know existed, who was apparently in Book of Circus and Book of Murder. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Viscount Druid's a big creep. So who better to play him than Todd Habercorn? Todd Habercorn, all right. Uh, Rian Stoker, he is the one who brings this machine and a bunch of bodies oh yeah i can spoil this and a bunch of bodies onto this giant boat to make it zombie apocalypse the movie with butlers um so he's like kind of a bad guy but kind of a showman at the same time because he has to get people to buy into his zombie act um and he is played by mr dave trosco and then snake the butler who only talks through his snakes that he controls is played by spike spencer if you haven't heard of any of these people before, Todd Habercorn plays Italy in Hitalia. He plays Teru Teru in Danganronpa 3. And my favorite, Ieson Mink in Aino Kusabi, Todd Haberdam. 
Dave Trasco plays Georgie in Yuri on Ice, Jack in Dance with Devils, and Gurn Ichinose in Seraph of the End. And Spike Spencer, who I had no idea who he was, plays Guido in Hunter Hunter 2011, Takuma Ichijo in My Trash Favorite Vampire Night, and what everyone's probably going to kick me for, get in the fucking robot, Shinji. He plays Shinji Ikari in Evangelion. Had you heard of Spike Spencer before, my my dear butler? I have, madam. Yep, yep. This this is why I'm dumb. So, uh, yeah. I, I guess I'll talk about Snake first because he doesn't really say a lot. He literally just speaks through his snakes. Um, so I'd never seen Book of Circus and I was very confused. And I was like, okay, so this butler's going to be mute through the whole thing. And then I was like... Oh, no, wait, he has a bunch of snakes that he controls. And then I realized that the snakes all had names and he was talking through the snakes as if the snakes were talking, which made for very interesting voices that uh, Mr. Spike Spencer had to play. And not all of them were like little hissy voices like you would think. I was just like, okay, so this was new to me, um, says the person who stopped watching the Evangelion series because I hated the dub so much here come the hate comments in three two one uh rion stoker from mr dave trosco so this character i really liked this character he needs to be campy and he needs to be a showman and he brought both of those in his opening monologue where we see him. He's literally introducing like this zombie machine to a group full of doctors and people who are in this secret medical society. Um, but then after that, he also brought the appropriate level of asshole to his performance, which... Uh, yeah, which this character really needs because he is a jerk and he is a villain. Granted, at some times you're like meant to sort of feel like he doesn't really know what he's doing. But at the same time, he he knows he's making zombies and trying to take over a boat full of rich people. So I just like I felt that this performance had a lot of different layers in it that it really needed. And um I'm glad Dave Trosco did it. Like, I wish I would have had this in my possession before I saw him a couple weeks ago. I would have had him sign it. Um, and as for the Viscount, well, I got a load of his creepy pedophile self when he was trying to do the the human trafficking auctions in season one. And I was like, is that Todd Habercorn? Yeah, it's totally Todd Habercorn. So this made me completely think of like Todd Haberdam from Aino Kusabi, but in a way more flamboyant way. And I just like, it kind of like really creeped me out. Like I definitely would not want him to be pursuing me or any of my non-existent children for any for any reason I was just like whoa what the heck is going on he brought that level of ickiness to it while still trying to be a villain and sort of failing spectacularly because at the end of the series he's not just there for like a cameo in the beginning there's way more to what he does at the very end and uh 
I think he brought the right level for that, but he also failed spectacularly with the performance. But like, not like he failed in his performance, but the character failed and therefore it worked as a performance. You know what I'm saying? I, I understand what you're saying, madam. Uh, Spike Spencer is a voice I'm familiar with, but the way he lays out this performance is nothing I've ever heard before. I mean, it is very unique how many voices he had for this character. And I thought it was all very divine. Like, now you've that's all I can say about him. As for these two assholes, uh, <laughs> yeah, Viscount Druid, his pompous ass. Uh, he is such a creep. Such a wanker. But Todd really lays on the ham thick. Like, like he does it like it's nobody's business. Like a spit roast pig. Speaking of spit roast, your dinner is ready, madam. We oh, have a great. pot roast with seasoned roast vegetables, and for your for we have a lovely milk tea. You are just the best, Jamal. You're just the best. I aim to please, madam. After all, if I did not do my job, what kind of butler would I be? Not one hell of a butler. Certainly not one hell of a butler. Uh, yes, get back right into it. Todd really laid on a ham thick for this character. And as for Mr. Trosco over here, Mr. Trosco has a history of playing certain slime balls because I remember the last time you and I have talked about him, he played the slime ball teacher in Citrus. That's right. He was Mr. Amamiya, best boy. <laughs> and, I, and I think he has proven what every actor has shown me to believe. You can have the most fun when you play the bad guy. And you can see he is really enjoying this. Now that I think about it, Dave Trosco does play a lot of asshole like bad guys. Oh, most exquisitely. Ah, oh, Dave Trosco. You're just you're just a a bad, bad character playing guy. He seems to, his character seems to be a bit of an antagonist in the first part of the film, but he's just pretty much reduced to foil towards the end. Yeah, I was kind of sad about that. I really wanted him to have a little bit more character development, but what can you do? Well, he... that's, that's only when you learn the truth later on. This is true. And this movie has a lot of like spoilery secrets about it like i literally more than once gasped out loud and said what the freak is going on i was like are you serious and then i had to look up to see if it was canon or if they were making all this stuff up no it is it's it's for real like this is actually how the story is supposed to go it is but i think all three of these actors have done a very fine job at these roles I do as well. I One good thing to say about this dub is that all of the actors are very, very seasoned. For, for mine, well, yeah, because they have been playing these characters for almost 10 years. Oh, and most definitely. It definitely shows through all of their performances. 
Speaking of a character who has been around since the beginning, we have our lovely friend, The Undertaker, who in the first season was there to basically exposition dump, um, but only after he gets paid by having Sebastian make him laugh. He gets paid in laughter. I guess when you're an undertaker, things aren't funny and it's very hard to smile. But I mean, if you're around dead bodies all day, what else would you be doing? That that is most true, given his uh, work history, if you will. Yes, yes. And uh, in this movie, you find out a very big secret about The Undertaker. And this was one of those moments where I literally thought they were just going off the rails and making shit up. But we'll talk about that more as we talk about the performance, because The Undertaker is played by Mr. John Swayze. John Swayze has also played Von Hohenheim in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, Death in Soul Eater, and Crocodile in One Piece, along with basically like a bunch of older men. (laughs) BTVA has pictures of a bunch of older men for John Swayze. So, but those are the ones I've heard him as and... I don't know, my dear butler. The Undertaker has kind of a duality that he has to play in this movie. What did you think about uh, fa- that while I drink my delicious tea that you brought me so nicely? It's it's funny you mentioned it. John Swayze plays a lot of old men. Yet here, this character comes off a bit youthful if you think about it. Uh most of that pertains to his secret, but he is very jovial for the least part. He also seems to have a hand in the, uh, shall we say the zombie apocalypse that occurred? <laughs> I still can't get over that this is actually a zombie movie. Like, I was not expecting that at all. I didn't read anything. I didn't read the description. I didn't look at the back of the box. I just literally put the Blu-ray in my DVD player, and I was like, holy crap, this is a zombie movie. I mean, I expected it for the most part, just not how it played out to be exactly. <laughs> but if John Swayze, again, again, like Spike Spencer, he seems to be a man of many voices, especially pertaining to the duality of this character, and he was very impressive. And that's what and that is what I like about the Black, Black Butler franchise is that a lot of these a lot of the actors you usually hear are put in characters you don't really expect, you know. Yeah, I I feel that other than maybe Tatum I, I or Sebastian, I feel that other than maybe Sebastian, a lot of the actors here are definitely put into roles that they wouldn't normally play. Thank you, Ian Sinclair, for that lovely direction. Yes, I think John did a splendid job with this character. I'm sure once we get to what he's hiding, we'll learn more about him, you know? (laughs) He is hiding a very big secret. I almost don't want to tell it. But I feel that I have to in order to discuss his performance a little more. 
So the Undertaker, when we first meet him and when we meet him in season one, um, he he likes to laugh a lot. He's you, like you said, he's very jovial. He's a very happy and comedic character. And I thought he was going to bring a lot of comedy to this movie. Um, and we see him once in the beginning and then it takes a while before he shows up again. And when he shows up again, surprise, uh, he's a reaper. <laughs> and uh, a reaper is basically, yeah, he's a bad guy. Like the Undertaker is a legitimate bad guy in this because he's also behind the whole making people zombies thing. One of the things reapers do is they collect basically these film strips of people's lives which are really their souls so they can go back and look on these film strips um and although the undertaker was stripped of his reaper duties he learned how to edit things at the end of the souls that he took and they were brought back to life sort of by science sort of by magic so he's basically the big bad here <laughs> and uh it really gives you a whole new perspective on the undertaker because never in a million years would i have thought about this and then once he made the vocal flip in his performance from the undertaker where we don't see his eyes there's a big hat covering most of his head to hi i'm the undertaker i'm gonna make everybody zombies because i can because it's fun i was just like holy crap like there's such a huge change there's a huge flip in the vocal performance here from John Swayze and I was just I like I couldn't get over it but I do have to say that throughout every single moment of his performance I thought this was Chuck Huber oh most certainly not I know I'm so ashamed I am so ashamed my dear butler but I looked in the credits and I was like John Swayze really <laughs> Like, Though, to be fair to his credit, Mr. Huber did show up in the first season, but you didn't get that far enough. Yeah, I, I really, I thought it was Chuck Huber, not gonna lie. Um, when The Undertaker flipped, he came, John came up with this very domineering and creepy voice, but still kept everything kind of calm and level, which we needed because at this point in the movie he's fighting over the top Grell, he's fighting Sebastian he's fighting Ciel he's fighting basically everyone but he still keeps like this kind of levelness to his performance but kept it very dominating and I thought that that was really great because we still know he has this power but at the same time it's kind of like not held back but it's just it's there and he doesn't have to make it explode through his performance so i was super impressed once that flip happened because at first i was just like oh it's the undertaker it's what we heard you know before and then you know it's campy and it's funny and he's not gonna appear in the and then he appears in the rest of the movie and i was just i was floored by this I think that would be a good time to move on. <sighs> if I must, I really enjoy talking about people in really ridiculous hats, but 
maybe I'll be able to get one for Easter this year and walk around in the parade with it. And it'll be a grand, grand time. In the meantime, I'll get the survey, madam. All right. Well, speaking of Reapers, there are two more Reapers who appear in this movie. One of them is Roland Knox, who I had never seen, but apparently he appears at least in Book of Murder, possibly Book of Circus. I can't remember. No, Book of Murder. Just Book of Murder. Okay. Um, And there is also our fan favorite comes back, Grell. Grell comes back, guys. Grell is so great. Anyway, all right, before I start with my fangirling, um, Roland Knox, who actually is my favorite character in this entire movie, and I don't really know why, but he is. Kind of probably because he reminds me of Lawless from Servamp a lot. Um uh, he, Oh cock. <laughs> he looks just like him, doesn't he? Oh, bollocks. I promise you don't need to have your poncho handy. Um, Roland Knox is played by Joel McDonald, who plays Yuga Aoyama from My Hero Academia. Fun fact, we share a birthday. Mikage from Kamisama Kiss and Poland from Hitalia. And then Grell. Grell is the flamboyant reaper with the red hair who is in love with Sebastian. And just Ooh, Bassie. Oh, Bassie. Yes, he just makes my day definitely the creepy comic relief of this entire franchise. He is played by Mr. Daniel Frederick, who, other than playing Grell in the Black Butler franchise, has only played Thorn in Shin-Chan. And that was all I could find on his BTVA page. So... I... I can't explain that. I do believe, due to a commentary or something I've heard from Brina, is that Mr. Frederick is a, mostly a stage actor they hired one day. Oh. Yes. Yeah, so, as such, he's mainly known for Grell, only Grell. Even if I have watched Chin Chan, which has been a long time. Well, that makes yeah. a, a lot of sense now that you have enlightened me with that piece of information, my dear butler. Yeah, um, see, sometimes these kind of things happen with Funimation. Like, you have many actors that are first store in many roles, and sometimes you have many actors that are first store in one type of role. So, it's either a scheduling thing or it is pretty much what they were looking for. And I do believe Mr. Frederick here knocked it out of the park. As for Mr. McDonald, he's always a delight to hear, especially when he does comedic roles, mostly. I do believe uh, he was a, uh, how do you say, uh, all I know is he can be flippant when needed, he can be brash when the type calls for it, but he's very much, he, like Mr. Swayze, is also jovial. And he played Knox very well to the fullest extent of the role. And this solid job, even if Mr. Knox can come off as a dick sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why I liked him. Oh, for goodness sake, who uses a lawnmower as a death scythe? <laughs> it was so good, though! 
I mean, seriously. <laughs> I was like, is that a lawnmower? No. No, no, it is. It is definitely a lawnmower. And not even like a motorized lawnmower because, you know, it's like the 1800s and they didn't have those. And this is like a push lawnmower that he used to literally mow down the heads of all of these zombies. Oh, man. <sighs> he is just best boy potential everywhere. Um, so I guess, did you have anything else to add to growl or well mr dogs was pretty good uh mr growl is always as you said it's always a delight to hear <laughs> especially when he has admiration towards his dear bassie <laughs> <laughs> oh if only one day i could be in love with someone as growl is in love with bassie oh his dear dear bassie is so wonderful um I will talk about Grell because just this character has so many different facets that has that have to be played. Um, in the first season, he starts off as a human. And then after a few episodes, the jig is up and surprise, he's a reaper. And he's not only a reaper, but he's the most campy, flamboyant, wonderful, wonderful human being in the world. Well, I guess our Reaper's humans, not really, right? Yeah, humanish. Humanish. I mean. Humanish in the world. Uh, and it's so wonderful to hear him wax poetic about his dear Bassie and about collecting all his souls and the violent tendencies that he has. And Grell just in this dark movie, don't get me wrong, Grell is also very dark. He has a lot of dark tendencies to him. But the fact that he can lighten the mood just by saying one sentence, just it's all due to this performance right here. And now that you said that Daniel is a stage actor, oh, it makes so much more sense now. <laughs> like this is kind of the over the topness that you would see in character acting which I totally can see now in my brain. And this just, I, I hope he's having a really great acting career because it is a shame that he doesn't do more anime roles that I can fangirl over him. Um, but I, I love everything about Grell. Like um, even the shitty Titanic joke <laughs> that was in this movie. Did you catch the shitty Titanic joke? Please, please oh. tell me you did. Oh, I did, madam. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, who's going to bust out Celine Dion first? Will it be Grell or will it be Roland Knox? Oh, my God. It, it makes you wonder, madam. Do you think they had BL in the Victorian area? Oh, they definitely had lots of BL. It may not have been between humans, but there's some, there's some butler butler love going on <laughs> you like do you like what i did there that was my shitty joke of the episode ladies and gentlemen i hope you appreciated it dessert is ready madam would you like an apple tart oh i would like an apple yes. tart but first let me talk about the apple of my eye mr roland knox oh i love him so much so i just 
like I said, I was drawn to this character immediately. Like, I think I tweeted while I was watching this movie and I was like, who is this guy in the glasses? We need more of him, please. And then I found out that he was actually in the OVA, which I didn't see. Um, but I love the performance here. He has to play so many different roles. Like he's a heartthrob when he's in like the bottom of the boat, hanging out with the regular people, getting drunk before he does his reaper duties. He's the villain when, surprise, he's a reaper mowing down zombie heads and then going after Sebastian. And then once Grell comes in, he also has to play the straight man, which he didn't start out really as the straight man. So compared to Grell to be his foil like I think that they made a really nice pair of voices once Grell jumped back into the movie and he even played off the Titanic joke without me groaning loudly <laughs> so I I really love this character and Joel McDonald just does an amazing job with the voice here like, I don't, I couldn't think of anybody, even Ian Sinclair, who could have played him better. And Ian Sinclair played Lawless, who he looks exactly like. So I just, this, he was my best boy. I know you're like, but Gigi, what about the hell of a butler? But I really loved Knox in here. Like he was my favorite performance, my favorite character. I'm so easy to please. And now before I indulge in this apple tart, which is definitely not on my diet. Oh, dear. Uh, let's, this, I know. It's this, okay. No, it's no, cheat day. This tart seems to have a soggy bottom. <laughs> and this, my shitty Have you been drinking? Today. No, I have not, madam. Except for water. Just water? No wine? No wine tonight yet? No, but I do have a lovely Madeira you should try. <laughs> oh, before the soggy bottom gets out of hand, let's talk about the single female performance in this movie that we're going to talk about. Well, single female character performance, sorry. Um, and that would be Miss Elizabeth Midford, a.k.a. Lizzie. She is CL's betrothed and... Uh, at first, I was very confused, but uh, Lizzie, much like The Undertaker, has a huge flip during her arc in this movie, um, which, again, made me go, is this real? <laughs> so uh, Lizzie is played by Miss Sheremy Lee, who we know and love her as Sailor Venus from the new Viz dub of the Sailor Moon series, Asuna from Sword Art Online, and Lucy from Fairy Tale. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have this apple tart before the bottom gets more soggy, and you can talk about lovely, lovely Lizzie. Ah yes, Miss Midford. A very quaint indeed. She starts off. She's a very. I thought she was a very simple character. She's more complex than she seems. For one, you think she's all frills and dresses and everything. Then you start to see her true colors come out, as it will, halfway through this movie. Uh, for those uninitiated, or for those who haven't seen the disclaimer, there will be spoilers about, and spoiler alert, Elizabeth is much stronger than she lets on. 
through the movie, she demonstrates her insecurities as well as her fast boxmanship with a sword. Uh, before we even before she even meets Yell in the beginning. Uh, upon destruction of the Phantom Hive Manor, you learn that she is she's taking this kind of more difficult. She, she seems she's hiding her fears and everything. And she wants to protect Yell, but she does not want to show that side of her. So she decided in the beginning to let Yell protect her. And as such, once you see her in action during the scene, you realize, my goodness, Cheryl Lee really knocks this performance out. Because, you know, she could go from being cutesy one moment to being tough in another. And it's funny you mentioned those three roles in particular, because not only are they all bloods, but they are all strong women with a softer side if you think about it and Shelby, Shelby manages to do her very best thank you Mr. Sinclair for this uh, wonderful performance of hers I believe I'm running out of words I don't know if somebody snuck something to my water or I mean, I had to keep things interesting, right? Do you want to call the fun police on me? Uh, no, more like the fun police has been called on him, but I'll explain that later. <laughs> well, as for what I thought of Jeremy's performance as Miss Lizzie, um, as you said, the roles that I mentioned, they are all strong women who have both softer sides to them as well as, you know, really tough sides, the fighter sides of them. Um, so this role now is completely in her wheelhouse, it seems. When I had watched the first couple episodes of the original series, I could not stand this performance. I don't like little girl performances mostly because I don't know the voices just great on me this is like the Chibiusa effect that we talked about the last time we did an episode together um where I just I can't there's they just whine and they grate on me and this one was like whiny and super high-pitched with a British accent and I was like oh god please stop talking however once I heard Jeremy speak in this movie. First of all, you can tell that Lizzie has aged up a couple years, so her voice is not as high. Um, and secondly, just there's there are levels to her performance that I never would have known watching season one that Lizzie was this tough chick who can wield two swords at once and go at a bunch of zombies in a hallway like crazy. Um, never in a million years from the the cutesy girl voice to this more mature kind of badass voice. And this character just has to go through a whole bunch of like gender stereotypes. The reason why she is super cutesy and tries to hide her talents in fencing is because CL said to her once that he wanted to protect her and that he didn't like strong girls um, so that made her change her entire persona from what see every time, you know, she was in front of Ciel because she is in love with Ciel and wants Ciel to love her back. And 
there was just this flip in the middle of the movie where Ciel had hurt his ankle and he couldn't walk and everybody was about to get devoured by zombies. And then all of a sudden, two swords, Lizzie goes crazy and just starts killing everything. God, this movie's so bloody. Um, but there is like a backstory flashback to this while she's chopping up zombies. And immediately you could tell the switch in her voice. Like she's actually a much more mature character. And it was definitely a much like a performance with more levels than I had initially given it credit for, to which I am very grateful. Um, I love to be proven wrong when it comes to dub performances. Like if I say I don't really like something, I love it when something changes my mind halfway through. And this definitely did because I'm a huge fan of Sheremy Lee. I like just about everything she's ever done. Um, and I honestly didn't think it was her when I started watching this. But as I went on into the movie, I was like, oh, wow, wow. Like I just I even though it is in her character wheelhouse, I just felt like it was such a good flip to flip from this cutesy little girl who only wears frilly dresses and needs CL to protect her to this badass who's going to knock down a bowling alley's worth of zombies. So bravo Sheremy. thank you for thank you for changing my mind so profusely like i just blown my mind is blown yes thank you for blowing both our minds miss lee uh before we move on to the next section would you like some madeira wine better oh of course i never turn down wine thank you so much you're you're going to make the next the next part so much easier for me. We're coming down to the wire, gentle, gentle listeners. And before we talk about the man of the hour, there is one more boy who we need to mention. And that would be Mr. Ciel Phantom Hive, the master of our lovely demonic butler, who wears an eye patch because his one eye has like a big star devil bond thing I, in it. I do believe it's called a pentagram matter. Thank you, because because I'm down I'm like I haven't practiced my Wicca Wicca Wiccan. I haven't practiced my witchcraft in a while. I know. I'm so disappointed in myself too. I'll never be able to make a valid tarot card reading ever again. Um but he controls Sebastian. Sebastian has to do his orders and perform out his bidding and he lost his family in a fire and he lost his home. He basically lost everything. And now all he really has is his butler to, to help him along in life as he goes around solving all these mysteries for the queen. The queen calls him her guard dog. And uh, he's, a, he's a good boy. Ciel is a good little bratty child. And uh, Ciel is played by... Miss Brina Palencia, which yes, is a girl, just so you know. But it's she's she's good. Um, if you have not heard of Brina Palencia, she also plays the most hated Minetta in My Hero Academia. She plays Toka in Tokyo Ghoul, and she also plays Chopper in One Piece. So quite quite a variety of different roles that she plays, including CL here. Um, she also plays Hell Girl in Hell Girl, 
the first season because the other ones weren't dubbed. But that was where I first saw Brina Palencia. And I was like, ooh, I like her. I like her a lot. And she does acting, too. She was in a drama that was on the CW, I think. Oh, yes. Starcross. Starcross. Yeah, I started watching that and then I stopped after like two episodes. Yeah, yeah, same. So, uh, I mean, I love Miss Palencia to death. I mean, I've met her once, too. Is she a good hey. girl? Yeah, she was a very good girl. Good. It's, which is kind of surprising because from what I've hear, heard in other podcasts, she doesn't like comments very well, especially when Mr. Ian Sinclair likes to leave a comment every once in a while. Uh, performance, but I do believe she does a splendid job with you. Of course, you know, it's not a first boy character. As a matter of fact, what let me tell you a little tale from long ago. When I started to get back into anime watching, one of the first animes I ever heard Miss Palencia in was as Hideyoshi in Baka and Test. And Hideyoshi was a boy who ends up being treated like a girl at points. And although there were very hilarious interactions, I do believe this kind of breaks the point home with Yo, with Yo, you know, does not want to be treated with kindness, you know, always seeks revenge. But when he does open up, he, of course, opens up to Sebastian, maybe Lizzie, and she really shows the, Miss Palencia, she really shows compassion in her voice. Which she describes as very tough because you have to start out laying on a boy voice. And then once you start laying on the boy voice, you have to start laying on a British accent. And the British accent, as we've learned, is very difficult. If any earlier points in this episode indicate. <laughs> That's why I'm not doing one right now. Well, that I don't know if you know any British people. I do. I have friends who live there, so they just sound lovely all the time, and I try to do it, and I sound like I'm in friggin' My Fair Lady before she becomes, like, the princess. Yes, you need to watch more YouTube or the Great British Bake Off. Ah! Mary Berry! My life! Yes. My life! Yes. Anyway, back to the performance... Like I said, Miss Palencia does a fine job, especially at even if it's a boy character, like the layers, she, you know, ha she has to put on CL. You know, it's, it's very tough and very detailed, if you will, but she manages to knock it out. She she really does. Um, I. I, when I listen to females playing males and males playing females, I always try to listen to if I hear their real, you know, their real voice come out in here. Um, and I have to tell you, I did not hear Brina's voice come out of CL once. All I heard was CL, uh, both uh, domineering and scared little child at times. Um, but I think the best thing that happened with her performance in this movie is that CL has aged a few years since the beginning of the franchise and it showed in his voice. You could hear it in his voice. Like it clearly wasn't anything like he, 
had hit puberty or anything, but you could tell it was just the tiniest bit deeper than CL in season one of Black Butler. So I really liked that little nuance that she brought to the performance there. Um, and also CL in this movie has to, you see a lot of his vulnerability, which he clearly doesn't like to show because, you know, he always has to be the brat. He has to be the head of the Phantom Hive household. He has to order Sebastian around. Um, but there are times, and especially during the flashback scenes um, towards the end, you get to see a lot of when Sebastian was just becoming CL's butler for the first time. And in those scenes, CL has to go from, you know, smacking his hand because the tea was made all wrong to crying in the middle of the night because he has horrible nightmares about, you know, basically his entire family dying. So I I really, I loved the performance, but I really loved it the most in those flashback scenes where CL was played so with so much vulnerability. And like you said, that's extremely hard to do, especially when you're trying to lay on a boy voice, trying to lay on the British accent, and then still trying to, you know, not have a breakdown <laughs> in the vocal booth. So I was just, I was really proud of her for adding all those layers to CL in this movie. Um, and I think if CL, you know, he does have a few comedic moments here and there, but he's mostly like a straight on serious character. And I just, I feel that Brina plays him so wonderfully that I could never, like, even if CL were to like grow up and be like a, a full fledged adult male, I still wouldn't want like another actor to take over just because you know oops he hit puberty and his voice changed so now can Brina still play him I don't care I'd still want Brina to play him I just like I can't see anyone else ever playing CL and it's just oh it's enlightening she does such a good job like I really I really love it so much and that being said my lovely my lovely butler we have finally come to the title character, the Black Butler himself, the demon to end all demons, who introduced me to J. Michael Tatum. Oops, well, I just blew that. It's Sebastian. <laughs> oh, yeah. Crack up, big strategic warmadilla. <laughs> yes, I need, I need more Perhaps wine. Perhaps a small shay. I need more wine to talk about Sebastian Michaelis, the demon butler to end all demon butlers. He protects CL and the Phantom Hive name. He does his bidding to the best of his abilities. And man, can that dude hit some zombie face with his bare freaking hands. Sebastian is lovingly played by Mr. J. Michael Tatum. In like the best British accent out of any of these actors. Uh, if you have not heard J. Michael Tatum, where have you been? And when I have an anxiety attack, can I hide in the cave that you're currently living in? Uh, <laughs> J. Michael Tatum has played My Boo Lupin in Code Realize. He plays Rintaro Okabe in Steins Gate. And everyone's favorite class president Tanya Ida from My Hero Academia. 
my dear butler, I will let you talk about your your comrade first. Because ah, yes. reasons. And I'm going to keep drinking this wine. But of course, madam. Yes, Mr. Tato, he's certainly one hell of a butler. The thing, the thing about Mr. Tato is this, because I've no, I know, over the years, whatever we've talked about him, I know that you've mentioned that his his voice kind of defaults to a British accent, and there is one very particular reason he is good in this performance as Sebastian. Because during his youth, Mr. Tatum had a stuttering problem I learned through commentary, in which he spent five years with a speech therapist, who was British, believe it or not. Oh. So, having grown up and learning how to enunciate and speak properly, it kind of stuck with him over time. So, naturally, what's the was being cast for Black Butler so it makes sense that he'd be perfect for this role and uh see what else I mean what, what more can I say about Mr. Taylor Mr. Taylor is a very lovely man I, if I recall I do believe we're good I think we're gonna meet him at AFES is that correct we are <laughs> I've met him already, and he is lovely. I... Yeah, I, I've met him too, and as cool as he is, I think I may have made him comfortable one time, but I hope that was just a bad day at that time. And, and Mr. Tatum, I doubt he's ever going to hear this episode, but Mr. Tatum, if you heard this, you are a very nice person. Thank you for taking the time to meet your fans, and thank you for taking the time to follow your fans on Twitter. Yeah, I can't believe that. Like, I literally followed him, and a couple hours later, he followed me back, and I was like, "Wow, <laughs> that's really cool." Yeah. So, yeah. So, pretty much, his humbleness, I guess, for lack of a better word, when he shows to Sebastian. But where it really shines, however, is when you start to learn a bit more about Sebastian's backstory, because he takes a a deeper approach to his character, more nuanced, if you will. And the same can be said about, believe it or not, another character he voiced in the Book of Murder OVA, which, trust me, if you ever get the chance to see it, watch it. Because I, I guarantee you, you will be amazed. Because it's on, it's on my list. Um, you better put it at the top because I do believe one of your favorite Husbandos is also in there. Oh no. Oh no. I will, oh. but continue. Yes, uh, as always, he's, Mr. Tam's done a splendid job. And I'm, I'm pretty much running out of words at this point. <laughs> Don't worry, I have many. <laughs> oh my god. Um, oh goodness. I know. Watch out. Watch out, fam. So. Uh, if you're a frequent listener to this podcast, you know that J- that J. Michael Tatum is number two in my voice actor reverse serum. So I get to talk about two of my best boys at once today. It makes me very, 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 very happy. Um, and I'm not going to lie. 
that his performance as Sebastian is one of the main reasons why. A British accent kills it for me, <laughs> um, like both in both good and bad ways. If it's a really good accent, hello, I'll be on the floor in a puddle. If it's a really bad accent, I'll be on the floor wanting to go six feet under because it's awful. Um, but just the whole aesthetic of the show really appeals to me because I love like the gothic um, character designs and everything that's in here. And to have Tatum playing a demon butler is basically everything I could ever ask for out of a character. Um, I love just the smoothness of his voice in this role. Just and I, you, you said that I pick up every time. Is he going to sound like he has a British accent in everything and some things? But now that you said he had all those lessons with. A British speech therapist like that makes a whole lot more sense just in the way that he performs and oh I just I think it's lovely um but as for this movie specifically um I feel that it's a little more Sebastian is a little more weathered here like he knows he knows more than he did when we first meet him in season one. Um, I can really tell the growth of the performance. And even in this movie alone, during the flashback scenes, he starts off as like a demon, which obviously they do some kind of vocal effect to make him sound more demonic. Um, but when he becomes like into his human persona, into his butler persona, and CL names him Sebastian, he has to grow into Bassie has to grow into Sebastian just like Tatum has to grow in his performance in this role so by the time um we get to like the start of the movie it's just like coming home again listening to Sebastian talk in the first season I felt it was a little bit more characterized with the British accent and everything but I mean, it's the first time you see Sebastian, so obviously it's going to be a little bit more, wow, this is like a super British demon butler. And now it's just like, oh, he's Sebastian and he's here. He's going to pour me some tea and make sure I have a good night. Um, you can definitely tell the growth of performance in this movie. Um, I feel that he's more grounded here. And um, I just... It's hard to say, it's hard to say that a performance of a British demon butler is grounded, but I feel in this movie like he's definitely hit the Sebastian stride and he knows exactly what he wants to do with the performance and it's it's different. It's different than other times that I've heard Sebastian, but in a good way, you know. Still making the panties drop. Don't worry. Don't worry, everyone. They're still on the ground because Sebastian is sexy as hell. And so is his voice. <laughs> but uh, it's just, it's kind of different in the Book of the Atlantic. And I'm really grateful that not only Tatum, but all of the actors, they've been playing these characters for almost 10 years. And they took the time to make the performance for this movie a little bit different than the ones that 
were in the beginning of the series. Obviously, actors grow and change, but so do these characters because there hasn't there has been a little bit of a time jump, but not, you know, like a huge time skip or anything. So he's he's one hell of a voice actor, Jamal. He certainly is one hell of a voice actor. He's one hell of a voice actor. And I love it so much. And with that, let's go into our final thoughts on Black Butler, Book of the Atlantic. I guess I'll start because I'm trying not to cry right now because I just love him so much. No, all right, I'm done. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so this movie as a whole, before I start wrapping up my thoughts on the dub, was definitely not what I thought it was going to be. Um, I thought it was just going to be like another kind of a filler arc in the Black Butler franchise, like the ones that were in the first season of the anime. Um, if you guys don't know, the ending of the first season was actually all filler. So I kind of got confused because I didn't know that. And I had to look it up because I was like, I thought this was over. And then it was like, oh, no, actually, we went back with Book of Circus to the manga and stayed true to the manga for Book of Circus and Book of Murder and Book of the Atlantic. So I was a little bit confused by that because all I had finished was the first season of the anime and like it was done. Like there was an ending. It was over. So going into this movie, I was slightly confused because I hadn't seen it all and I didn't know who the new characters were. There are two other butlers who come in randomly um, for a couple of scenes, didn't know who they were. I didn't know who Snake was. I didn't know who Roland Knox was. And I was just like, okay, well, I'm just going to go into this blindly because um, I, there's no other way for me to go into it at the moment. Um, and this movie is very violent. It's bloody. Like now I understand why it was a movie and not actually part of the series because it is literally like a gore fest. There's blood everywhere. I think at one point it does this thing that I hate where blood splatters go on like the camera and I was just like stop. I was like please stop. I don't want to see any more disemboweled stomachs or heads being chopped off or people getting bites taken out of them because I didn't know that this was supposed to be a zombie movie I just thought it was going to be some black butler filler on a boat they're on a boat making tea motherfuckers oh yeah on a motherfucking boat and it wasn't so <laughs> once I got over that shock and then got over the shock that all of it was canon and all the surprises and all the twists with all the characters are actually what they were meant to be in the first place um I I was able to focus on the dub a little bit more and just pay attention to the nuanced changes that came between what I had seen in season one versus Book of Atlantic, which is about uh, 50-ish chapters into the manga or something like that. So, I mean, with time, things change. And in this case, it really, I felt change for the better. I liked the darker tone that all the performances as well as the movie as a whole took. I liked that it wasn't as comedic, but the jokes that they did throw in there were funny minus the Titanic joke, which just had me groaning in a bad way. Um, but I, I thought everybody returned, everybody who returned did a job that only they could do. Bonnie and Ian as writer and director turned 
this movie into a little piece of art in the Black Butler franchise that I don't think could be duplicated in any other medium. I mean, yeah, it came from the manga, but just the amount of blood in here was crazy just all over the place and just the horror of it all. I'm not a big I'm not a big fan of horror manga cuz I just I don't I don't want I don't want to look at it. Um, but I do like horror movies and once I realized that oh this wasn't just Black Butler, it was a horror movie, like I felt, you know, more in tune with my my dark side people. Uh, but I just I liked that everybody writer director performances seemed to grow and they seemed to bring it 100% knowing that this was going to be a theatrical release. So I, like I said, I haven't seen book of circus. I haven't seen book of murder, so I can't compare it to those. But from what I've seen, which is basically the first season, um, one hell of a dub, one hell of a dub. So my dear Butler, I will let you close the evening as you are part of the namesake of this lovely film. Uh, thank you, madam. So, when I first became familiar with Black Butler, I had pretty much seen everything there was to see up until Book of Circus came out all of a sudden. To, in order to prep for this movie, I did have to go back to the beginning. Uh, thing is, it's is it's amazing how candid the uh, the franchise is with each other. Booker Circus is a uh, it's, it's a wonderful time. Let's just say uh, the words cartoon violence would never be the same. Which funny you mentioned one of the characters looks like a Hisoka, considering he's voiced by Liorio in the dub. <gasps> Really? Yeah. <laughs> yes, quite indeed. That he he puts on this uh very kind of Irish accent, if you will. But uh, the franchise is a very solid one, uh, save for a few episodes, but we won't discuss that. Book of Atlantic is a it's a very visual study film, to be honest, if I'm not mistaken. Although some CGI uh, is kind of problematic, to be honest. Uh, while the story is intense. Uh, goodness me, I, we get a sip of water here. Don't worry, I'll have some wine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh you most gracious Master Gigi. Yes, yes, so <laughs> Book of Atlantic is the is very stunning indeed. Very stunning. It's just while I'm not while I too am not worth a horror movies, uh I did find the zombie aspect quite unique. Quite unique indeed. Uh, somehow my my voice switched from a Victorian to an XX accent. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Ooh, I'm a bit knackered. <laughs> See, I think oh, you were drinking that knackered. wine, too. Oh, I'm a bit knackered. Uh, 
everybody did the job very well. Uh, poor performances were studying. It's as if they've they've never left the franchise. Uh, it's just quite exquisite. I urge you to check out this movie. And even though it's on the pipe, it's even though it's like set on the cruise ship. We, w we would like to remind you people this is not a pirate ship. The only way you can see this movie is if you buy it outright. This is and true. I and I think with that being said, this movie is so stunning that it's worth it. Even if it's from Adaplex, those wikers. <laughs> <sighs> very, very, very good product. Pretty good production. But, boy... I mean, when I watched this film for the first time today, this film is set in 2.0 audio. Okay, did you have this problem too where you couldn't hear it? Because literally, I keep my TV on like 13 because that's loud enough for me. I had to turn it all the way up to 60 to be able to hear the dialogue in this movie. Like it was not, I felt it wasn't mixed very well at all. I, I didn't have... I didn't have this much of a problem. Why is my voice going to Irish accent? I don't know why. <laughs> Thanks, Matt Mercer. <laughs> oh, gracious me. Uh, yes, uh, you see? No, because I have a soundbar and I use, and it's 2.0, so even if I was able to pick up its sound sound, I didn't have as much of a problem. But boy, those feckers at Adaplex, so especially that Goto fella. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, my dear butler. You suddenly sound like Darby O'Gill and the Little People. I don't know what that is, but where is me Lucky Charms? Hey, <laughs> don't ever get me Lucky Charms. <laughs> <gasps> well, maybe I should talk like this for the rest of the night. What do you think? I think you should. Yellow moons, green clover. <laughs> Yes, I'll cut you in your shoes. Purple horseshoes. This is why. <laughs> I don't do accents. But, but everybody involved in this did very, very splendid job. And I have to commend you on that. And I don't, I'm really at a loss for words right now. So if you could just take us out, Gigi. Yes, I will do that. So we don't find the pot of gold and the leprechaun doesn't jump on me with his pogo stick like in the movie leprechaun which traumatized me as a tiny tiny child so if you would like to watch black butler book of the atlantic the only way to do so right now is to purchase it you can buy it from funimation on blu-ray dvd and digital copy or you can buy it on dvd uh no shout out to amazon who put a giant sticker on the back of my box and uh basically ruined the slip cover for me so i would buy it from a more anime friendly retailer <laughs> you yes, can all like right stuff yes like right stuff which well, is having to sell by the time this episode goes up if if this were on <laughs> if this were on sale and i didn't buy it on sale that sucks um but you can also uh buy it on prime video because but it's still 15 bucks so you might as well just buy it outright it's um, also available for four dollars on youtube but i would be careful with that yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't trust youtube with my money you know they should pay us money not the other way around um oh, indeed. 
it is a great addition to your Black Butler collection. Um, unfortunately, Black Butler season one and season two are out of print right now, but you can still purchase Book of Circus and the Book of Murder OVAs from Funimation if you would like to do so. I believe they are also both streaming on Funimation's website. I think. Uh, no, only Book of Circus. Just Book of Circus. All right, so you have to buy the Murder OVAs. You you can do it. They're cheap. They're OVAs. So if you would like to buy the Blu-ray or the DVD and to watch this movie. There you go, because it's not streaming yet. If you would like to hear more from Dub Talk and more from Dub Talk Summer at the Movies Season 2, well, you can go ahead and follow us on YouTube, which is hopefully how you're listening to this right now. Hit the little bell for notifications like this video and subscribe to get all of our content that we put out weekly and twice a week during the summer. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, uh, and Twitch at Dub Talk Podcast, where we tweet out dub announcements, episode announcements, play little games, all that other fun kind of stuff. If you would like to know more about your lovely hosts for the evening, my name is Gigi and I run the YouTube channel Anime Palooza. You can also follow me on Twitter at Anime Palooza, where I like to talk about anime boys and wonder why real ones won't commit. Um, and you can also follow my lovely one hell of a black butler, Jamal. <laughs> at jamstar529 on twitter and he is also the one of the main editors for dub talk is there anything else you would like to plug in your irish accent uh, i do have a youtube channel jamstar1 I do have a blog as well, but I ain't really doing nothing at the moment, to be honest, other than editing this episode. <laughs> Finding gold at the end of the rainbow, rainbow, perhaps, maybe? Or did you hide it so I can't find it? Uh, who knows? Suddenly. But I, if anything, I, mean, I, I think I know a good way we can end this episode. It's a little joke. <laughs> Suddenly, this has turned into a completely We were doing so well. Yes, we were. All right. All right. My dear, my dear Butler Jamal, please enlighten me with a joke that is my last request for you this evening. Okay. Let me get prepared. Father, 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 father. There once was a woman for Q who filled her vag with glue. She said, if the pain to get in, the pain to get out of it too. Wow. <laughs> I think I think you were better when you were talking about Lucky Charms. Hey, you always have to be me part of gold. Hey. <sighs> and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we hope you have enjoyed this one hell of a podcast on Black Butler Book of the Atlantic. Otaku on, my friends, and until next time, love your faces. Keep it black. <laughs>